2: I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. All right, Sarah, thank you very much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner. Front and center this hour, the rally, why stocks are jumping despite the Fed's message. The Investment Committee now debating your money's next move. Joining me for the hour today... Josh Brown, Bryn Talkington, Rob Seachin, and Jim Labenthal. Let's check the market. Sarah just told you about the rally we're having. Dow's good for 350. S&P's been on this winning streak, tracking for its fifth positive week in a row. It's on its longest daily winning streak since November of 11. Rob, I'll go to you first. I mean, OK, it was a hawkish pause. That's all we got. The debate, though, is raging as to whether the Fed's actually going to do what they suggest they will, yields are down today. Market doesn't believe it.
3: I pose the question, has the Fed mattered since earlier in the year? Earlier in the year, we were pricing, you know, four cuts in the back half of the year. I think it lent support to tech stocks early, in addition to positioning. So we were wildly offsides from a positioning standpoint. And, you know, the Fed hasn't mattered since then. Not a a bit. So the question is, do they matter now? The markets are voting today, maybe not. I think at some point, they do. They have to matter, and I think what they're telling you is they don't want to repeat the mistakes of the 70s. I think they had to pause this time to keep credibility, because the numbers are undeniably terrific, right? So they had to pause. They're going to reengage that. We think there's one more tightening uh, officially. Honestly, I think there could be more than that. In fact, they're telling you there could be more than that. Well, they're, what they're
2: telling you at this point, the market is saying, I don't really care what you're saying, show me, and we don't believe that you're going to show us. And, you know, Jim, the, the bottom line here is that, you know, we're doing the show yesterday and the, the, the decision happens and Powell comes out, and everybody's like, oh, man, this is uh, more hawkish than we, we thought. But the dots are not a prediction. They're not a guarantee of anything. They're a guess. And you know what? This Fed hasn't been great on guessing on anything over the last couple of years, and that's just the fact. And the market is is betting right now that they don't think the Fed's gonna do what it guesses it might.
4: So it was a hawkish uh, message, and it frankly worried me on the margins. But then when I stop and I think about it, I think about their projection next year, you're going to get to 4.5% unemployment. Scott, that means you're going to lose 1.5 million jobs. Now, put that data point together with the the, uh, projection right now that next month the CPI is going to come in headline at 3.2%. And to me, it just doesn't make sense that they raise rates, all right? If, if headline CPI does come in at
2: 3.2% next month before they meet. They yeah, don't care about the headline. And they made that pretty clear yesterday. They care about the core.
4: I, I do understand that. But what I'm submitting to you is it doesn't make sense. They should. Here's why. Here's why. The last two years, the average Jane and Joe in America has dealt with their purchasing power getting decimated. All right. They've put up with it. They've dealt with it. They've survived it. And now with inflation, again, I, I get your point, but on the headline going to 3.2%, now we're going to say, OK, you're out of work. We're putting you out of work. You survived two months of high inflation. Now we're going to kill you. That just makes no sense to me. And just to, The square the circle here. Uh, The reason I think headline inflation matters, I know they're focused on core. But let's not forget, I mean, food is really, it's a frequent item that people see. It matters a lot to them. Same with fuel, same with gasoline. So I I really think for the average Jane and Joe, it's headline CPI that matters and the Fed will be foolish if they ignore
2: that. So Bryn, you know, Wall Street is trying to figure out exactly what Powell was was saying yesterday and to what they'll actually do if they'll follow through on what their projections suggest they will. Take a look because JP Morgan says one more, not two, don't care what the Fed says. Deutsche, one more, not two, don't care what the Fed says. Goldman, one more, not two, don't care. City, nah, they're drinking the Kool-Aid. They say two more, we're on board. Gunlock, he told
1: me no more, no more. And here's why. I don't think the Fed's going to hike again. I I think we've got a trend in place here, Scott. It went 25, then 50, then 75 for a while, then 50, then 25, then zero. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just a mathematician or something, but I see a trend here. And I don't think the Fed's going to be raising interest rates again.
2: I mean, I guess the market, Bryn, is voting with uh, JG, Jeffrey Gunlock.
5: Bonking, they are. I agree. I think the Fed, I mean, the Fed is telling us they're not done. But you have to remember, Jay Powell also told us in May of 2022 that 75 basis point rate hikes weren't on in, in the forefront. And so I think they're looking at the data. They're doing their best efforts. But I think we're done doing rates. And there is no way we are going to keep these rates for two years out. That's just not going to happen, which is, I think is what caught a lot of people off guard. I think that Jeff talks, Jeff Gunnlock has really good points. We have a manufacturing recession. We have things in the economy that aren't doing well real estate's not doing well, regional banks aren't doing well. But as you guys were talking about jobs, we still have 3 million baby boomers that retired early from COVID. And so I don't know how you get to four and a half percent unemployment when you still have such a tight labor market. And to me, what's such a conundrum, you know, Jim talks about we're going to have a 3.2 handle. The problem, though, is that's just because we dropped off April, May and June of last year, then if we continue to stay at 0.3 or 0.4, Scott, we're going to be right back up to a four handle on inflation. So so I still feel like we're in a wide range of outcomes in the market, but the bears are are firmly losing. I think you want to be you know, positioned to be invested. But I also think, though, that this AI flood has still just gone too far too fast. And ultimately, we've had multiple expansion this year. We're going to have to have some proof in the pudding with these earnings. And outside of NVIDIA, I really don't see a lot of earnings estimates upgrades with this whole AI theme. And that, to me, just talked a little bit about froth in the market.
2: Yeah, Josh, I mean, the bears felt emboldened for a little bit yesterday after Powell spoke. Uh, but the bulls have been making the case that, look, we we've grabbed control of this market months ago, and we're not giving it up. And we're not ready to give it up. And we don't have to give it up.
6: Yeah, the s p five hundreds total return is now just six percent below the all-time highs um, at the peak of the august bear market rally we were nine percent below all-time highs so there's been a lot of progress made it is the highest s p total return level since april of two thousand twenty two that's fifteen months of of us building up enough steam to get back here i think one of the major themes going forward now is that it's going to be a catch up, not a catch down um, or any, any way you want to slice it. If you want to look at the Russell 2000, be my guest. Despite how bad the banks have been, um, you are seeing more participation there. If you want to look at RSP, which is the S and P 500 equal weight index, that's echoing what we're seeing elsewhere. Uh, You've got an advanced decline. That's nearing uh, record highs again. Uh, You know, it's, 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 just this confluence of, of data all pointing toward the same idea, which is the leadership stocks were important this year. They, they moved the chains, they got us this far. They definitely changed sentiment. That is now happening at the same time as Wall Street's economists who went into the year almost unanimously predicting recession, either putting off their recession calls till later or 2024 or repealing them outright And you got this, regardless of what the Fed says, you've got this moderation in inflation that is impossible to ignore, even egg prices. So when you take these three things in in concert, and then you understand to what extent money has gone into money, market funds, T-bills, and cash in the first half of 2023, those are all the ingredients that you could possibly ask for, for a new record high. Like people thought the layup trade in January, February, March, you got all these problems. Why take any risk? You get 4% on a T-bill. Oh wait, it's four and a half. Wait, it's actually five. Why would I buy stocks? So of course the NASDAQ goes up 35%. Um, But so now are you gonna have this catch up trade? Uh, Are you gonna have this broadening of all of the components of all of the indices start Mm -hmm. to, to take flight? And are you going to have active managers who were offsides during a lot of this have to race and buy
2: something to catch up? Well, my guess is yes. Well, on that note, and and Bank of America, Josh, is discussing this today in terms of funds and broadening this out they're still waiting for clarity according to bank of america before shifting to cyclicals now we've had some whispers and some smaller moves of a broadening uh, rally in the last week ish uh, but not a wholesale move and their idea is you're not going to get it yet until you get better clarity on the economy do you you agree with that no
6: do you you understand the xli is one percent from an all-time high is that is are the industrials no longer cyclical? Have you looked at a chart of homebuilders lately? OMG. OMFG, Scott. So no, <laughs> I, I, I disagree. The market the market has made a decision. The, here's, the, here's the three sectors that are here's the three sectors that are closest to an all-time high. Are you ready? XLI industrials minus one percent. XLK, technology, minus one percent.. Um, uh, and, and an XLP, which, whatever, we'll throw that one out. Doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't match does calendar. I'm just making the <laughs> yeah, point. It's exactly. I, I'm just making the point. Right, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just making the point that the market <laughs> is not waiting for clarity. The market moves, and you get the... Listen, I'm a price-first guy. I don't have GDP forecasts. Apologies. I, I don't know how to do that. I'm, the price is moving in advance. Of what people are starting to sense, and wh- by the time you get clarity, there's no trade left. So look, nobody's unemployed. Yes, there were layoffs, but there's also still hiring. Um, look at CCL and RCL; these are now in the top five S&P 500 performers. Cruise lines. That's not that you don't need confirmation or clarity. That's as cyclical as it gets. It's the consumer. That is the economy that we have. Right. So I don't think you're going to get every single segment of the economy moving in concert and giving you perfect clarity. But I think you have quite a lot given that mix of things that we just talked about.
2: You feel like the before the Fed meeting started the, you know, on on Tuesday, the conversation was, did the bulls have control of this market or did the bears still have control of this market? You're up 20 percent off of the low. It's technically a bull market, Mm -hmm. but. There's not a lot of belief in it. Uh, or is there and should there be? What do you think? Well, because you've been kind of cautious, right? We've been cautious, but invested. Well, right? like so, most people are invested, but, you know, is it time to be less cautious? I guess that's what, what I would ask. We,
3: we, don't, we don't think so. But there's no question in the short run. Momentum is positive and it's broadening out in terms of the sectors that are becoming positive. Josh just gave you a litany of examples of that. And so in the short run, valuation isn't gonna matter. What's gonna matter is the positioning still, which is coming into this market. And I think if you're listening to the advice of the people on the show today, they're saying, go ahead and chase it. We're
2: saying stay invested in pick your spots. I like the catch up. Well, point. Bryn wasn't necessarily saying go ahead and chase it in terms of tech. She mentioned that, you know, it looks to her no, a little no, bit no, no,
3: good, stretched. Good, good, good point. But let, let's be honest. Yes. You don't need to chase 19, it if you're in it. You, the S&P trades at 19 and a half times. Right. The Nasdaq trades at 26 and a half times. And there's certain stocks that are trading back at their post pandemic peaks right now. There's a lot of enthusiasm, as everybody's talked about, around the possible earnings impact of AI. And yet tech analysts have only increased their earnings three percent. No, because, they, they, because
2: they can't. They don't, they don't know how to they model it. They always lag. I know, but they don't know how to model it. No one does. If they knew, they wouldn't have been blindsided correct, by NVIDIA's guidance. But, but correct. But there's
3: digestion periods. And I don't want to sound like a bear. We own a lot of this stuff, right? We we own a lot of this well, stuff. Well, you trimmed
2: Microsoft, though. Today. On valuation. Exactly. That's
3: the reason we did it. Now, Microsoft's are still our largest holding in our entire company, still the largest holding. We think it's an unbelievable business. We moved from a dramatic overweight to neutral and still maintain our position. And it's the largest we have. So that's prudent portfolio management right? you If your valuation discipline, which we are, it's why we bought Meta at the beginning of the year. It's why we would say you can still buy Meta today because of where it trades. And you're trying to figure out what is the responsible thing to do
2: for your clients. And sometimes that's trimming winners that have a lot of momentum. What about a name like DocuSign, Josh, which you sold, I'm told, uh, last Friday, the 9th of June? Yeah.
6: Um, they had a they had a really good earnings report the stock rocketed higher in the the post market that day and then it looked like the next morning there was a rethink i listened to the call i wasn't really blown away um, so it was up a little bit and i just took it off the table it's not a focus it's not a core holding and uh... I think the stock is okay i'm
2: just i'm doing different things well i mean i i do remember m- many conversations that we had about this Particular name, where I think your thesis was the reason why you had stayed in it. You know, let's say post pandemic, it's just like this is how it's just going to be. Who, you know, what are you going to go into? I didn't st- the- I bought. I only bought it. Re- I only bought it recently. I, when when I did you buy it? I wasn't remember? in it
6: like during the pandemic. Uh, this spring.
2: No, but I mean, it, obviously, you. If you eat, that makes my my think my 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 story uh, even better to get your response to is that if you if you bought it this spring, presumably you did think that pandemic or no pandemic, this company was going to be a winner. It was just a new way of doing business for most people that who wants to go into the, yeah, the I, lawyer's I office it, or the I doctor's office it, I, or any office and sign something where you can just do it in two seconds on your computer.
6: I still think that's true. I'm just not in the stock right now. I Look, technology, technology stocks um, have have just been incredible this year. And then they grow as a percentage of your portfolio. So if I wanna hold on to Oracle, which you know, I'm, I'm buying before it was 100, I mean, look at the stock go. If I wanna hold, here, look at Uber. Uber is now one of my biggest positions. up 73% year to date. Mm-hmm. It's not even in the S&P 500 yet. Uh, it, I think it will be. It needs a full year of profitability and then the committee will meet and they'll have bagels and a schmear and they'll say, yeah, put it in. But right now it's not in. If it were in the index, Uber would be the seventh best performing stock. So if I want to hold that and look at a chart, you know I do, and I want to stay with my, my Nvidia, and I want to stay with my Oracle, I can't just like unlimited, in an unlimited fashion, just be in every tech stock. So um, I have a lot of companies where things are going great. DocuSign, things are just okay.
2: Yeah, I hear, by the way, Uber today reiterated me? a top pick over at Mizuho. Uh, buy is the rating, yeah, the you're target damn right. is, is, target's 55. So. You still have a few bucks to go back to the IPO price. And, and that's kind of been the line in the sand for this stock. It's had a you know tremendous resurgence, obviously. Um, Can I say one, has... one
6: more thing? Can yeah, I say one ahead. more thing yep, on Uber?
2: Yep. yep.
6: Okay. Uh, not, not while CNBC is live on the air, but maybe tonight when they're doing the Shark Tank reruns. The Acquired podcast had Dara, the CEO of Uber, on for an hour and a half. If you're not in the stock or you are in the stock and not really paying attention to what's going on, This was one of the most incredible interviews of someone whose company, after 10 years of losses, is just smashing it on on growth, on profitability, like everything that I thought Uber could be, it's now becoming. And I think that this market cap does not reflect the fact that this is one of the great technology platforms in the world right now. Anywhere people are moving, whether it's a boat, whether it's a, a private jet, a car, if it's freight on a truck, Uber is going to be the dominant platform that connects supply with demand. Please do yourself a favor. Listen, Don't listen to me. Listen to, listen to the CEO.
2: Up 70 plus percent year to date. Uh, speaking of stocks that are surging, Kava, their share soaring in their debut. Opened just a short time ago. Bob Pisani still at the post on the New York Stock Exchange floor. Uh, You know, again, a little more excitement back in the building,
1: Bob, when these things happen. Like the old days, and boy, what a great open it was. So uh, the IPO window is opening. Now, let me show you one reason why. So Kava was priced at $22 uh, last night, opens at 42. Is that a little, a lot, that is uh, spectacular. Immediately, people started messaging saying, what the heck, Bob? They were talking about 17 to 19 on Monday. They upped the price range to 19 to 20, then they price it at 22, it opens at 42. What is going on here? And there's a couple of things. Number one, you got a very strong fan base with Kava, of course. Some people are trying to call it uh, the big success, the Chipotle of Mediterranean food, I've heard some people calling it. So it's got a fan base. It's got potential for profitability and a lot of growth. But I think the most important thing is suppressed ipo demand 18 months nothing has been happening as a matter of fact this is the first company to raise the range since 2021 the first company to actually raise the range so we had a huge crowd here here's the guys who did it uh, patty uh greg and glenn's from gts these are the guys who actually handled the opening for it and, and uh, trading well right now so Remember, the three things you need to get the IPO market going, strong stock market, S&P's at a new high, stable interest rates, we have, and finally, some kind of indication that the demand is there. And there you go. That is a gigantic yes to the IPO market. So the three conditions you need, stock market, stable rates, and some kind of investor demand are now satisfied. The window is opening. And Scott, if you think I'm being too exuberant, 10 minutes ago, I was talking to Lynn Martin, the president of the NYSE, and she said her phone is already ringing. There's the headline. And this is the moment, that window in the next two months, if we don't hear a whole raft of companies going public, and I'm talking, Fogo de Chow's out there, Reddit, Instacart, Arm, the big semiconductor company, Panera Bread, Impossible Foods, Fanatics, Flipkart, StubHub, Klarna, long, long list. If something doesn't happen in the next two months, something is really wrong because this is the moment for the IPO window to open. Yeah, Scott? well, Kenview, Ken you know, was a little bit of a thaw yes. and now this helps. And then
2: we'll see that pipeline you're talking about, Bob. Thank you. Bob Kazani okay. at the Kava Post as that stock is surging on its first day of trade. Um, makes me think of Toast as well, Josh, this week, one of the stocks of the week, it is it's down a bunch today, but it had been up about 7% on the week. Um, a stock that you like, I believe, still, and, and that you, you still own, approved for Marriott Select Service Hotels in the U.S. and Canada, that happened earlier in the week?
6: Yeah, there are like 800-something thousand restaurants in the United States alone. The global opportunity is even bigger. It is extraordinarily mom and pop um very very fragmented space but one thing that universally applies to all restaurants whether uh it's a it's a retired couple running a diner or it's Marriott and all of the various dining establishments on all of their properties the business itself needs a tech upgrade um, especially in this day and age of extremely uh r- rising costs for food for labor etc what toast is bringing to the table in a very horizontal way, like touching every aspect of running a restaurant, not just reservations or, or billing, but everything, ordering, etc What they're bringing to the table, I think, is probably the best industry solution. And that's why they're growing as quickly as they are. That's why they're gaining share. The problem that Toast has now is the same problem Uber had for the last three years. It's not yet profitable enough to be in favor given what stocks are working on Wall Street right now. That's the challenge here. So I don't have a lot of stock in toast. I have some, I'm learning the story as I go, but I think that that is the thing that's holding this back from more recognition and deservedly so. Mm-hmm. When they decide that they have enough of a lead and their market share is where it, where it should be, I think they can pull those levers and become extremely profitable. It just might not be this year or next.
2: Yeah. Similar questions, frankly, about Kava itself, which is not profitable. But as we said, goes goes public today. It's up 90% at this moment in its debut. And that will be one of the stories that we continue to follow. Still ahead. Our chart of the day, it is Tesla. Well, it's finally tapping the brakes on that historic winning streak. The stock up nearly 40% during that record run. Wait till we tell you how much market cap. That company added in those 13 days. It is astonishing. Bryn owns it. Find out what she's doing next. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit ODFL.com to learn more. OK, our chart of the day, it is Tesla. It has snapped that 13 day winning streak. Bryn, more than 200 billion dollars in market cap added over that period of time. Uh, it's just astounding when you when you really put those numbers into context. 13 straight days, 200 billion dollars in market cap. W- what do you do? By the way, um, Target raised to 305 at RBC just give us a thought process of an investor in this name watching that run happen and what you think now.
5: Yeah, so I mean, it's a, it's a volatile name. Obviously, Elon is, is everywhere, has his hands in so many different aspects. So I have half the position I just own outright, and the other half I sell calls against. And I keep getting those, those positions, which I'll sell like 15 to 20% out of the money calls. The stock keeps moving higher, so that position will get taken away. So I have my core, and then with my the other covered call, as the stock has moved higher, higher, I am very comfortable selling calls against that. And if it gets called away, so be it, because you have to understand Tesla is probably the, the top option traded stock that has been all year, and so there's a ton of option premium. And so for me, when there's a ton of option premium, I'm happy to like make a twenty five percent trade between the upside and selling calls, to me, that's the comfortable way to play it. Because I do agree, like their margins are gonna come down. You can walk through, there's gonna be more competition. But I just really believe that Elon is the the Thomas Edison of our time. And not only is he a great inventor, he's a great producer and he can mass manufacture and just look what's happening with, with GM and Ford. Like for them to go to Tesla just tells you how superior their technology is, even down to their superchargers. So I just think it's a long-term hold. I love what he's doing. I think that, you know, I own a Tesla and it just it's wonderful technology and it's a fun car to drive.
2: Yeah, Robbie, how do you how do you view this?
3: Well, listen, it's very hard to be invested in growth. If you're a manager that benchmarks yourself to the Russell 1000 growth index and you don't this is the stat. You don't own Tesla, Amazon or Nvidia, which are up on average 114% this year. They've accounted for 8.5% of the return. So you just don't own those. You're under by 8.5%. you have got to be pretty darn good to make up that, that underperformance. Well,
2: that's been the nature of the, of the market this year, given the Crazy. stocks that have run. When you look at you know, discretionary as a sector, for a while was the second or third best sector. Why? Tesla yeah. and Amazon. Yep. And home builders, which have, had a great run, too. But... But those two stocks alone carrying the weight of a whole sector, those groups, group of stocks carrying the weight of, in some respects, the whole market. And the question is,
3: do you want to become a momentum investor or a fundamental based investor? And in the question okay. of it, that's a great
2: question. How do you how would you answer that? And I wonder if there are a whole mass group of investors who are rethinking what they are and what they want to be. And in some cases, what they have to be in this kind of market.
3: You know, if you have a strategy, it's ultimately going to work out if you hold true to your discipline because momentum will break down and then you can you can get out of those names. Being fundamentally disciplined is incredibly tax efficient. It allows you to to compound over time as long as the fundamentals stay healthy. So I think in the short run, you know, momentum's had its day. It's likely to continue to have its day. Okay. In the intermediate run, I think you want to be mindful of fundamentals, which is exactly why we trimmed our Microsoft position a little bit, right? So we've done that throughout the year where we've owned these big positions in our growth portfolio. The momentum has gotten tremendous, but then at some point valuation becomes a ceiling.
2: Something tells me you're not backing up the tractor anytime soon for Tesla.
4: Well, I I think you know what's on my mind, right? Why do I not own Tesla, but why do I own GM? And Rob just said something pretty smart here. You know, if you've got a strategy, you gotta stick to it, all right? You gotta stick to your knitting. It's actually something my father said to me a long time ago and drove it home, okay? Now look, if I buy Tesla at any price, I I can't tell you why that is the right price to buy it at. And I have to answer to clients when they say, look, it was 200, it went to 100, why did you buy it at 200? If I can't justify that, I won't do it. Now in GM, in GM, I can justify it, and here's why. Besides the fact that the multiples are, are too low, besides the fact that the estimates are going up, here's the most important thing. They're buying back shares. This is where valuation matters to a guy like me. Okay, They have the cash flow at this price to buy back shares, shrinking their share count 5% year over year at the last quarter, and they're doing it at 70% of book value. You know, I can go on and on about the autonomous vehicle, the cruise business, the electric vehicle business. I did get a Lyric. It's a pretty sexy car. I mean, I really kind of like it um, I do think their strategy is good but at the end of the day Scott this is why valuation matters hey to me. his strategy is going to work remember the late 90s momentum carried the day for a very
3: long time and then we entered the early part of the 2000s and hedge funds became stars why because they're fundamentalist and they were looking at all those stocks and identified all those stocks that were relatively inexpensive
2: and began to explode Okay. Well, GM is not relatively inexpensive. It's downright cheap mm-hmm. the que- at six times. The, the question is, is it downright cheap for a very big reason? A reason that's not changing anytime soon, whereas Tesla's got the action
4: so it's a great
2: question all right
4: obviously it's an opinion that i give you that it is cheap for the wrong reason which is the market just hasn't accepted the fact that estimates are already up 15 percent this year and they're probably going to go higher after the next quarter we know where demand is we know where prices are but again i come back to the most important thing if I think it's cheap but the market doesn't, I can live with that if the company's going to buy back shares as prolifically as General Motors is. Again, at 70% book value or to take the inverse of what you're saying, a 16% earnings yield. God bless.
2: All right. Let's get the headlines now with the Bertha Coombs. Hey, Bertha.
8: Scott, here's what's happening at this hour. The man accused of placing a fellow New York City subway rider in a chokehold and killing him will be arraigned at the end of the month. A grand jury indicted Daniel Penny in Jordan Neely's death Wednesday. He's facing a second-degree manslaughter charge. The exact charges won't be clear until his indictment is unsealed at the arraignment. The Supreme Court handing a major win to Native Americans today by preserving a system that gives preference to Native American families seeking to foster or adopt Native American children. The court rejected an effort by Republican-led states and white families who argued it is based on race. The ruling marks the second time this month. The court has rejected conservative efforts to rein in laws aimed at protecting minority groups. And a massive victory celebration is underway in the Mile High City to celebrate the Denver Nuggets first ever NBA championship. After a pre-parade rally, the team escorted their trophy through the city on the front of a fire truck. I bet they enjoyed riding a fire truck. Back over to you.
2: All right, Bertha. Thank you, Bertha Coombs. Coming up, Coinbase shares rallying nearly fifty percent this year. One analyst, though, today is calling for the stock to get cut nearly in half. We'll do our calls of the day when we come back.
0: What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones. Our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC.
2: We're going to do our calls of the day now. We're going to start with Coinbase as well. Brent, I'll go to you on this since you previously owned it. It's reiterated today underperform at Mizuho or Coinbase retail crypto traders uh, flocking to Robin Hood is the question they ask. Target remains 27.
5: Yeah, I mean, I, I read the report. I don't think that retail investors in general are going to move Coinbase. You know, with the, the fraud of FTX, Voyager and Celsius, I just think you have a whole trove of institutional investors, including myself. That just said we didn't sign up for this. Nothing to do with Brian Armstrong. I mean, he had, he's been doing a great job with the dealt. He's with hand. He's been dealt. But I think just with the headwinds of the SEC, I mean, Gensler is out to get crypto. The judgment and Ripple. We'll see what happens there. I just think this is a this goes into too hard to figure out camp, and so that's why we're we're out of the stock.
2: You still own Grayscale Bitcoin Trust.
5: I do, right? I just kept it. That ultimately, if it ever gets turned into an ETF right now it has a 43% discount to bitcoin so we'll, we'll see what happens i think blackrock filed for a, a bitcoin etf as well so definitely a lot of people want it so whatever it happens it'll be a good a good pop up on 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 the the trust
2: josh would you own anything crypto related right now i don't remember do, do you and would you i ju- i just own the coins like i i uh
6: i'm in a, i'm in an index of coins but You know, most of the smaller coins are effectively, you know, worth 80% or less of where they were in 2021. So the majority of what's making up that index are Bitcoin and ETH. So far, those two have not been listed as securities or alleged to be securities by the regulators. Um, So until that happens, that's probably
2: the only thing that I would really want to be involved with here. Okay, Uh, speaking of coins, We're hitting the jackpot ahead. Casino stocks, they're on a hot streak. New numbers show the betting boom is not letting up. Contessa Brewer here at Post 9 with those details next. I want to show you some pictures from just moments ago. Sam Bankman-Fried, there he is, leaving a lower Manhattan courthouse. A judge today not ruling on the key motions to dismiss. But that judge was hearing oral arguments today in that criminal case in which Mr. Bankman Bankman-Fried is accused of eight different counts, including wire fraud and campaign finance violations. He has pleaded not guilty. And that just occurring moments ago, uh, not too far from the New York Stock Exchange, in fact, at a New York City courthouse. Betting, meantime, booming with casinos reporting record revenues. Contessa Brewer is here at Post 9 with the numbers, which don't seem to be slowing down.
0: Best April ever. That's the headline here. Commercial casinos saw gross gaming revenue of five point four one billion in April, up seven percent from last year, according to the stats compiled by the American Gaming Association. And that growth is fueled mostly by explosive growth in the online gambling sector, up 50 percent from last year, where bricks and mortar casinos saw just a fractional increase in gaming revenue. But 26 straight months of industry growth, it's remarkable. MGM Resorts and Caesars Entertainment CEOs both gave bullish commentary last month on their earnings calls on the outlook, forward bookings for rooms, for conventions in Las Vegas. Oh, look at their shares quarter to date though, rather meh. Win this quarter, shares losing ground despite the beat in Macau and the performance in the US. DraftKings on the other hand, up 30% this quarter. There is a clear emphasis, Scott, on the digital side of the business, and that's where investors are rewarding the shares.
2: Jimmy, this is you. uh, In terms of win, up 25%, as we said, year to date.
4: And up about 80%, if you can believe it, Scott, over the last 12 months. I mean, it's really been an outstanding performer, which, by the way, contests is why I think it's sold off recently, because as I've said multiple times, that last quarter, you couldn't have asked for anything more. I mean, it was an incredible quarter with guidance, dividend reinstatement. Here's the bottom line. Results are coming in better than expectations, and your report just backs that up. You're seeing guidance go up. You're seeing estimates go up. Estimates for this year's EBITDA are up 40% from the beginning of the year. The enterprise value to EBITDA for next year is 9.6 for next year's estimates. I say that's too low. I say it should be 12. That's about a 25% return from here.
2: Yeah. What's the best stock in the group this year?
0: Well, I think that you've seen some real movement with the Macau facing stocks, Las Vegas Sands. and when, But they have factored that in. That's one reason you saw Jeffries downgrading uh, from, a, from a buy to a hold most recently with Wynn. But I think you point out, look, the dividend got reinstated. That's a big deal. So even if the share price isn't coming through, you're earning something if you're holding it.
2: What is the industry, what are you hearing from the industry about China and the alleged recovery this, I mean, yes, they've had a reopening, but it hasn't been as robust as people have expected it to be. Are you hearing anything?
0: But Macau has been more robust than expectations. And I Ah. think, here's my sense talking to people who know Macau and who have followed the progress here. We saw Las Vegas completely insulated. So when other things were slow to recover, Las Vegas just boomed. Why people were sick of being locked up. We got locked up for what? A few months, maybe a year. Look at China and how long they've been under lock and key. And so the minute those borders get opened, the pent up demand is there and fueling whatever else is 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 at stake in terms of the Chinese economy. If you've saved some money, you're willing to spend it now. And that's what they're seeing.
2: Contessa, appreciate it. That's sure. Contessa Brewer on the casino beat. Uh, by the way, Jimmy, Delta Airlines is trying for its 15th straight positive day. They just reinstated a dividend. Where did that come from?
4: They just reinstated a dividend today. Um, which is probably why it's it's up, but also the reason it's up and the airlines in general, Scott, is that air traffic just continues to hang in there.
2: I know it, 15 days in
4: a row. I, you know these stocks have just been too cheap, and I know we can have that discussion. Are they cheap for a reason? I think in this case the market is waking up to the fact that it got it wrong.
2: Yeah. But um, now I
4: got I got to come up with a new final trade.
2: All right, new high, a uh, new high for uh, DAL. <laughs> all right, up next, healthy returns. Someone on the investment committee just added to a healthcare name. We'll tell you about it. We'll break it all down next. All right, Dow's still good for nearly 400 points, uh, as you saw there. I have a move we want to talk about with you. Uh, you bought more Novartis. So with the
3: proceeds of Microsoft, we had to invest in something. We're always fully invested in our portfolios, and this is a company that has 20 blockbuster drugs. They're doing a lot of great M&A. They're, they're, they're really dominant in the oncology space. It's very inexpensive, 14 times, trades at a 20% discount. To the healthcare sector, the other fundamentals are solid. You collect a three and a half percent dividend yield, so it's we we think it's a you know fundamentally
2: strong story, and they're executing well in a tough environment. Where are you on healthcare in general, as a as a firm? Uh, neutral. You know what was a great trade last year has obviously not been this year. Do you think there's momentum coming back to the space? I mean, don't you own United Health? Don't you? Uh, we we saw oh, we were selling down. I talked about the trade. Oh, okay, right, 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 All right. So you were selling down that. You've added here, Jimmy. We're, what about?
4: We're, we're left with a stub in United Health, and it got hit pretty hard yesterday. Actually. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure, Jimmy. Yeah, I mean that. I I saw Carrie Firestone uh, address United Health yesterday, and frankly, I was glad I was not on the show because I own CVS, but we'll do it now. Um, Let's do it now. Yeah. I mean, this is another case in point where you've got a dirt cheap stock that's buying back its shares. And it's doing that as it's making transformative acquisitions, Oak Street and Signify. Now United Health, a little different story because the multiple there was really pretty high. Yeah, but That's why to, we trimmed it, though. Right? Good, good. But I think to the overall comment that you started with, Scott, healthcare was a darling last year. It's been beaten up, really beaten up across the board, all subsectors this year. I see the value there. The momentum's not there. I think that's how you phrased the question, Scott. The momentum's not there, but the value and opportunity is there. It's
3: undeniably the cheapest
2: of the defensives, by the way. So healthcare. It, healthcare. Yeah. All right, uh, grade my trade. We'll do that next. All right, Bryn, grade my trade to you first from Edward. I put on a 500 share position in Devon at $52.95 a share, then sold July 5th covered call contracts for $1.46 a share. Talk about the trade. Can you grade it? What do you think about it?
5: Yeah, so, so Edward, I don't know your strikes. I can't give you an A. I can't give you an A because I don't know your strike. But it was at 52 back in April. So I'm going to assume you bought it back in April. And then you sold those calls three months out. You collected around 2.7% income for that. It's not going to get called away from you. I don't think it is. I don't know your strike, but if you can do that trade now, three more times this year, you'll have annualized close to 9%. And so, to me, it's like Devon is a great company that has not been a great stock this year. So, I'm going to give you a B plus. I think it's a great way to add incremental return when you have a stock that's sideways to down is to sell those calls, and if you can collect 9 to 10%. Hey, I take that
8: as a win. All right.
2: Thank you. Rob, to you from Bob. Coca-Cola bought 30 shares at $59.73 on January 20th.
3: Solid stock. We've owned it since 2016, but not a great trade. Coke's up 2% since Bob invested. The staple is up 3 and the S&P's up 12 So uh, B- would be my grade on the trade, but not a bad stock to own for the long term.
2: Josh, to you from Renee on Carlisle Group. What are your current thoughts on that stock? So,
6: obviously, I don't give any direct advice, but I am in the stock because I think uh, a turnaround is likely. Uh, they had a lot of turmoil at the top. They got rid of a CEO. And then about four months ago, Harvey Schwartz started in the t- in the uh, top spot, and he is the person that was almost the CEO of Goldman if they hadn't picked, it, uh, picked uh, David Solomon. So... Uh, I think it's an easy turnaround. There are tough turnarounds. This one doesn't seem complex. Uh, they're going to get into lending uh, to their portfolio companies rather than paying billions in fees to other banks. They're going to work, I think, harder on uh, some of their, their, uh, their fund distribution. And they're just going to come up with a better strategy than what was in place before. Uh, and I think this will be a much better and larger company as a result of that. The stock's already been cut in half. I don't think there's a lot of risk either. All right. Quick break. Final
2: trades. When do we come back?
7: Are you following the Halftime Report podcast? What are you waiting for? Look for us in your favorite
3: podcasting app. Follow the Halftime Podcast now.
2: All right. Dow's up 400 right now. We're going to see how this thing closes out in that final hour of trade just a couple hours from now on the closing bell. Liz Young will be with me, Matthew Boss as well. We'll have the Lyft shareholder meetings going on. Just spent some time talking about Uber, of course. We also have a markets guest coming on today who says stocks are gonna rally, and they're gonna rally until late July. You'll hear why. I hope you'll join me in a couple hours again, three o'clock Eastern time. Let's do final trades. Bryn, go first, please.
5: Yeah, BHP, this is a long-term, short-term story. They do steel, copper, fertilizer, and nickel. They're next to China. They're friends with the US. You have an 8.5% yield. I do think we'll get China stimulus. This stock is ready to pop.
2: Okay, Josh Brown, what do you have for me?
6: I am issuing a golden cross alert on shares of CrowdStrike. 50-day just broke above the 200-day to the upside last week. Uh, This is a name that I've been in for a long time. It's 48% off its all-time high, and the fundamentals arguably have never been better.
2: Okay, thank you, Farmer Jim.
6: Transocean rig. Now listen, this is a volatile
4: stock, okay? It can go below six before it goes to seven, eight. But hang on to this for the next six months. I think you're going to see day rates continue to go much higher.
2: Robbie.
3: KLAC, it's clear that we're in an AI arms race. I want to buy the pick and
2: shovel sellers to the semi-industry. All right, good session going. I'll see what the rest of the day holds. I'll see you on the closing bell, the exchanges now.